slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And our focus is on those three verses, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, entitled Swift But Slow. Swift But Slow. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Or, if you prefer, slow but swift. <laughs> Either way, it works. Slow but swift or swift and slow. Have anybody here tonight been stung? It's not a bite. It's a sting. They actually bite you enough to grab you, and then they sting you. Have you ever been stung by a fire ant? These imported red fire ants are dangerous. They are vicious and quite common. They are very invasive, and they cause millions of dollars worth of damage annually in the United States. They can be a physical threat to both humans and animals. And they get their name, fire ants, from painful, burning sensation that is caused when they sting. And, I might add, they should be avoided at all costs. They hurt. They are not fun to be around. And I'm using that by way of introduction here tonight to say that what you say has a sting or it has a bite, what comes out of our mouth. And James, in this first chapter, he's talked about a lot of things. He's talked about trials and patience and what it works. He's talked about wisdom and how wisdom is important and how it functions in our life. Uh, he's talked about the enticement and temptation of lust and sin and what it conceives. And then he comes to this passage of Scripture in verse number 19, and he starts a new thought by saying, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, beloved brethren is one of the ways in James that we know that he is focusing on something else. He starts pinpointing communication and our speech and what we say. Our world is full of corrupt communication. Social media is full of corrupt communication. The media is full of corrupt communication. Thank God for the scripture that we can stand upon something that says we should in our life and in our lifestyle, we should be a people that are honest, speak truth, speak things that are going to build up and not things that tear down. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are right, think on these things, speak on these things, say these things. I want to be a person that is known to be a person that speaks truth, that speaks uplifting words, does not tear down. I don't want to be categorized as a gossip, a backbiter. A forked tongue. I want to be known as an individual that is an encourager to the people of the faith. Amen. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, if you need a word, I'll encourage you. Amen. I'll lift you up. I'll encourage you. What you say has a bite. It has a sting. And James here in verse number 19, he starts talking about hasty speech and uncontrolled anger. He says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And James loves imperatives. All throughout James, he loves imperatives. An imperative is a command. And so he loves commands. So here he is saying in a command, be swift to hear. That's a command. That's not an option to us. Slow to speak. That is not an option and slow to wrath. These are imperatives. These are not things that you just kind of decide you're going to do or not do. It means that there is a command connected and associated with it. And controlling one's speech is biblically important. As a matter of fact, I believe that the people of God who are filled with the Holy Ghost should have a better grasp on their communication than people that do not have the Holy Ghost. Never, ever let 
let it be said that the people in the church have a worse opportunity and time with their tongue than people on the outside that don't have the Holy Ghost. It's not the problem of the Holy Ghost. It would be a problem with us. The church needs to be a place that is uplifting. Amen. The church needs to be a place that is encouraging and that speaks truth. Amen. Not the world, we understand that the world, the world's business is to tear down and to destroy and to rob and to steal. But we're not part of the world. We're part of something that is greater than the world. We're part of the church. The one true living God has a body of believers that are in this thing together that, that are not going to tear down one another, but they're going to build up one another. Boom. Somebody said amen. Praise God. This is, this is a fabric of the scripture. The wise man in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 said, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Or somebody that speaks a lot of words, there's a great possibility of sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, let me just say something about Proverbs real quick, because some people think that if every time I give a soft answer, it's going to turn away wrath. And then maybe sometime you give a soft answer, and that's not what happens. And so you would think that the Scripture then is somehow not infallible, but fallible. The situation in Proverbs is it's words of wisdom and Proverbs and sayings that generally, it's general wisdom, generally, if you do these things, then generally you're going to have a better outcome than if you didn't do these things. And that's what wisdom is. Amen? Praise God. So sometimes I may give a soft answer and it may not it may not return to me what this scripture is saying, but that doesn't make the scripture null and void. It is just saying in terms of general wisdom, the best thing that you could do was give a soft answer instead of coming back and ending up with a major, major conflict. Amen. And being slow, slow, being swift to hear and slow to speak. The human condition is not conditioned to do what James is saying in this passage of Scripture because we, we blow up. Our natural inclination is to blow up and blow out. We're going to defend our right and our territory, and we'll run over you. After all, it's ingrained even into our culture. It's the American way, but it's not the Christian way. And James is saying that there needs to be a filter on what we hear and what we say. And we would be better off to hear before we speak rather than speaking before we hear. If you speak sometimes, you'll back yourself into a corner until you hear the full matter. Amen. This is true of every single one of us. And we would be wise to listen to the voice of James. He is building upon the foundation and the biblical rubric and core in the scripture of communication. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Every single one of us has met the guy or the gal that knows everything. They know everything, and they one-up you on everything. You've done something, they've done it better. You've been here, they've been to the moon. You've done this, they've done it better. Anybody know somebody like that? It would be better sometimes to shut our mouth and let wisdom penetrate into our spirit and listen more than we speak. Oh, this is good stuff here tonight. Man, this is powerful stuff right here. This is run the aisle stuff. Hang from the chandeliers. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 9 said, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. 
Don't be so angry just to go off. You know, nowadays, you better be careful about going off. Somebody will shoot you. Seriously. Nowadays, we live in a, it's an interesting world. So it takes some wisdom on our part. And James is saying, despite the, the history, despite the, the culture, despite the age, the infilling of the Holy Ghost should have an impact on your life that directly impacts communication. Stop and think about this. Now, James is going to talk about this more later, but he talks about the tongue. And he says it's a fire. He's got all kinds of names for it. But if the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, comes through a form of communication. Now, I'm going to go off here just a minute. I'm going to veer off here just a minute. And I'm going to talk about the Holy Ghost, the way it comes, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, how often the Holy Ghost should be in operation in your life, what should be the, the ideal, what might be the reality, and how to define that. That might be more than just a little rabbit trail, but let's go off on this just a minute. <clears throat> the Holy Ghost comes through you through your mouth and your tongue. Because that is one of the most difficult things to control. Your mouth. Every single one of us has said things we wish we could take back. You can't take them back. They're already out there. You've already said them. And just today, we had a phone call today. That somebody, because of something that was said, three words, three words, three words caused some, some angst and dysfunction for five years, six years. What you say matters. Parents, be careful how you talk to your children. Don't ever say stuff like you're so dumb. I wouldn't even say that in just, in jest sometimes. If that's a constant repetition in what you're saying in the lives of your children, they're going to end up developing some kind of complex that that's what they are when they're in fact not that. Boy, it's real quiet in here. Don't they say, you're stupid, you're dumb, or you'll just always be this or that. You know how that colors and flavors a person's existence and their life when that is constantly what is spoken to them and what is said to them in formative years? You need to be breathing life into them. Amen. You, you can do it. You have the ability. You have the, the brains. You, you have the brawn. You're smart. You can achieve. You can accomplish things. Those are the things they need to hear in the formative years, not the negative Biting, downward trending stuff. They don't need to hear that. That's not good for their development. You may have to discipline and talk to them, but don't speak to them as if they're idiots. Praise God. Be godly parents that knows how to raise and nurture your children. Because if you don't, you'll end up in those teenage years with a lot of rebellion that comes forth. They may not say it to your face, but they'll act out in rebellion because of the very foundation that you have laid. This ought not to be in the house of God. We should be godly parents that have our stuff together. Well, I wasn't raised that way, so this is just the way I'm going to be. Get the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost develop you and mature you and make you better. You can be a better parent. You can be a better grandparent. Praise God. I'm tired of this victimhood stuff. If I walked around with all the stuff that I didn't have and I didn't achieve and all this, I'd be a miserable individual. I'll tell you what, I am not going to be that person. You can either choose to be that or not be that. I am not going to be that because that's damaging. It doesn't get anybody anywhere, but I can be different. I can be different in everything that I do. And so that's what I'm going to be. Well, my dad was abusive. You're going to be abusive? You can be abusive, or you can say, I am not going to be that. 
I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to be something different. My dad didn't do this. I know that. I live that. But I refused to be what he was. And I said, you know what? When I have an opportunity to be a parent, I'm going to be the exact opposite of what he was. You know what has helped me? What has helped me get out of some of indifference and bitterness and all that other junk that could bury you. It can absolutely bury you is the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. The Holy Ghost can pull you out of some of those things. Bitterness is a wicked evil. It's terrible. Where was I? I'm on a rabbit trail talking about totally. So, so through the mouth and the language and the tongue, God chooses to speak through the tongue because it's the thing that's the hardest to control. It's the hardest thing to control. So the Holy Ghost comes through the tongue. And that makes the most sense. When you're seeking the Holy Ghost and you're worshiping God and you repent of your sins and you start seeking the Holy Ghost, the only way that I can explain this, and it's kind of childlike, but I think it makes a lot of sense, is when praying with people and they're seeking the Holy Ghost, you've got to get, if you've repented of your sin, you got to get away from hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, and ha-ha-ha. See a difference there? The hoo-hoo-hoo is, is, I don't know, it could be a lot of things. The ha-ha-ha is the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the Holy Ghost and the fruit of the Spirit is joy, love, peace, long-suffering. So when you're seeking the Holy Ghost, you need to get your hands up and you need to praise God with a smile on your face because it is a gift of God. He's giving it to you. You don't have to buy it. There's nothing you can do to receive it. You're not good enough, but God still wants to give it to you. So let it fall on you and seek God in that manner. Amen. And let me just say this. I'm going off on all kinds of rabbit trails. Who knows where we're going to end up here. But when people are praying in the altar, and I'm thankful that everybody has has grown, developed, and everybody is participating, and they're praying. But let me just say a few things. If there's somebody seeking the Holy Ghost, and they're praying, okay, and we're going to pray with them. If somebody's trying to give them instruction, there only needs to be one people giving the instruction, one person giving the instruction. Because if all of us are around that person and we're all giving instructions, you talk about confusion. In one ear, let go, let go. In the other ear, hang on, hang on. The person's confused. They don't know what's going on. One person's over here talking about Moses coming out of Egypt. And another person's over here talking about Paul and Silas in the jail. And you got to cut loose. And this one's saying you got to hang. And it just gets confusing. Right? So if you're around those people, what should you be doing? You should be praising and worshiping God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's going to pour out his spirit upon you. But it's worshiping and praising around the individual. There's only one person giving the instruction. Now, when that one person steps back, then it would be okay for somebody else if you feel like God's directing you to say something. But we all can't be speaking to the person at the same time. Right? And another thing that is good when you're praying with individuals, it's good to stand in front of them, not behind them. Because when everybody's standing behind them, then all this is coming back here. You can't see what the person is doing, how they're praying, what's happening, what's taking place. There's there's a moving right there. That right there, that's the Holy Ghost. Let Release that because it's happening. If you're standing behind, you really can't see that, right? So you stand in front. And you, you pray with people. Does that make sense? Is that good? Don't stop praying for people. But we just need, we need a little structure there so that we can be more effective in praying with people. Right? Amen. Be very cognizant of what you're doing around. All right? If somebody's praying and they're seeking the Holy don't be a distraction when they're praying. They're seeking God. If you're not careful, you'll whack somebody upside the head, step on somebody's foot, toe, whack somebody in the stomach, 
hit somebody in the face. This is not decent and in order. This is not good at all. This will take you right out of Jerusalem and the upper room and, and will cause great, great difficulty. Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, when there when are situations and somebody's a distraction, you've got to move and shield because that person seeking the Holy Ghost is more important than anything else. Right? And so when somebody is, is causing a distraction, you get between them and the person praying. It's all right. That's what you should do because these are babies and they are needing to be birthed. And so there can't be a whole lot of distraction down here when somebody's trying to get the Holy Ghost. And thank God Sunday there were a lot of people that got the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. So communication, the Holy Ghost comes through the tongue. It's the most difficult thing to control. And if that's the case and the Holy Ghost comes through the tongue, then after you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost should do more in your life in terms of communication than anything else. Amen. It should direct you, guide you. And so... These scriptures that we're reading here, we're talking about wisdom in the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes. There is a place for righteous indignation. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. But there is not a place for thoughtless, unrestrained anger that leads to rash, harmful, irretrievable words. The anger that is talked about in the scripture is righteous indignation. And it is an emotion. You, you, you should have moments and times where there is righteous indignation. But it is a controlled anger, not a thoughtless, unrestrained anger that is rash, harmful, and irretrievable. Be very careful when you throw something out because once it's out there, you can't reel it back in. And so I need the Holy Ghost in my life to put a filter over my mouth to make sure my anger is a controlled anger. It's much like meekness. Meekness, the best definition that I've heard of meekness is strength under control. Moses was a man that was meek, but you would not call him a weakling. He was a man that had a lot of strength, and yet he knew how to control that strength. There were a few times where he smote the rock and he got himself in trouble. But for the most part, he was a man that was, was meek. There was a lot of strength. It was in control. And God helped him in that endeavor. And because of that, he is described as a man that was meek. Jesus was not a man that was weak. He was a man that was, had a lot of strength. But it was very, very, very controlled. And God calls us to be the same in our actions and in our communication. Is there anybody in this place has said something that you wish you could take back? If you have, would you raise your hand so that we could see you? That covers just about every single one of us. And if you didn't raise your hand, well, you perfect little child of God, you, you are so awesome. Man, you are elevated and amazing and you. You never ever make mistakes but for the rest of us we get in a situation where we have difficulty what I'm saying to you tonight in this Bible study is we're going to have difficulty but we should have a better grasp on it than the world does that's what I'm saying because God is maturing and developing us and the Holy Ghost is helping us and so James said in verse number 19 let every man be every person be swift to hear. Everyone say hear. Hear. You know what? This, is, this would be a really good point to make about men. Men, when they are involved in relationships, have a tendency to want to interject and fix the problem. That is one of our weaknesses. When our wife doesn't need to hear us fix the problem, we just need to listen, hear it before we try to fix it. There may be an opportunity at some point to fix it, but what she needs to hear is for us to hear her. And all the men said amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Casey. I appreciate that. Praise God. Sister Priscilla, say praise the Lord. <laughs> Swift to hear, swift to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, this is fascinating. 
We've got classes on communication, how to speak, how to talk, everything. There's no classes that I ever took on emphatic listening. Not one. Listening is a skill. Why? Because you got to shut your mouth. And that's a skill. That takes work. Because you immediately want to you jump in there, interject, and say this and that. No, I didn't. This and that. James said, be swift to hear. And what? Slow. Slow to speak. I like this one. And slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Before, I'm, before I launch out, I need to make sure that I am slow to anger. And he is building on a framework of the wise man in the Proverbs and the wisdom sayings. And the reason why James is saying this, he's not just arbitrary saying it, arbitrarily saying it. He's saying it because of verse 20. Let's have a look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, here's why it's good to be slow to speak, slow to anger, swift to hear. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The prohibition of unrestrained anger is based on the fact that anger does not work the righteousness of God. Anger is not going to work righteousness. And here's where there's some considerable difficulty. This is a very short verse. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It seems pretty, pretty much on its face pretty simple until you ask yourself, what is the righteousness of God? The wrath of man, the, the unrestrained anger of man, is not going to work the righteousness of God. So what is the identification of the righteousness of God? And so there are three possibilities that we could discuss. One, we could say that the righteousness is the status that God confers on us. My righteousness, one of the prophets said, my righteousness is as filthy rags. So in, in order for me to become righteous, because I can't bring anything to the table in terms of righteousness, is that God has to confer on me his righteousness. Praise God. That's why I can stand and say it's not my righteousness, but I'm standing in his righteousness. Amen. It's all about what he has done. And it's about his faithfulness to what he has done. And so this is, this is spelled out in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by my faith. There is a conference of God's righteousness onto you. Praise God. And it's God's righteousness that is conferred to you even when your righteousness is as filthy rags. And that's exciting. So is it that righteousness that is being talked about? Well, that's one possibility. The other one is righteousness could also mean justice. Justice. So the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God or the justice of God may have been that James was saying, you cannot use anger to produce the justice of God. Well, I'm going to get mad and I'm going to get angry. I'm going to set things right and it's going to be God's righteousness and it's going to be justice. You'll never get anywhere trying to do justice with anger. We are seeing that in our society right now and it's creating a lot of upheaval. You don't you don't undo the wrongs of society by unleashing anger and thinking it's going to produce justice. It is not going to happen. It's not happening right now in our country. What we need is a come to Jesus moment when we recognize there's some injustice in the world, but there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And the wrong way is anger, unrestrained anger and wrath. That's not going to work the righteousness of God. What we need is a revival of God's anointing and his ability to sweep our nation so that we get our eyes off of each other and things that have happened in the past and we see the bigger picture. Amen. So... 
Is it, is it justice? Is it that righteous? If that's the case, James would be saying, you're not going to work the righteousness of God with anger. Or is it the last possibility, which is the righteousness is the righteous activity that meets God's approval. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 35, I think this is probably what James is trying to get at. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness. Everyone say worketh worketh righteousness, worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. A person that is trying to work righteousness is a person that is trying to work for the good of what God is wanting to do. And this is what James is trying to get at. The individual that works righteousness. It would be the antithesis of working sin. I'm not working sin. I'm working righteousness. I'm putting it into action. I'm working at it. Amen. It's the opposite of working out and acting out sin. It is not a hasty, uncontrolled anger. That is sin. So I'm not working sin. I am working righteousness. I'm not violating the standard of conduct that God demands of his people. Anger is violating that standard. So I'm not doing that, but I am working out righteousness so that God continue to do great things. Amen. It's the antithesis. I'm not violating the standard. I am uplifting the standard. Wrath is not going to get God's business done. Anger is not going to get God's business done, but love will and goodwill and faithfulness will and mercy will. And there's a lot of other things in the kingdom of God that will. So that's what I'm pursuing to see the work of God move forward. Amen. So that's verse number 20. Verse number 21. Praise God. Verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, I like this word here, and superfluity, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. This is the last verse we're looking at here tonight. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23 has a parallel passage. And so let's read that. It's very similar. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So James is saying there is a, there's a casting off. He says here, lay apart. But there's, there's many verses that talk about the same thing as being a casting away. In other words, there's something new that is taking place because there is an implanted word of God that is doing more than just saving you, but it's producing some things in you. And so there is a shunning of what was old and there's a putting on of something that is new. I'm, it's like taking off a set of old clothes and putting on a new garment. And the New Testament talks about putting off, putting off the old pre-Christian patterns of behavior and putting on new patterns of behavior. This is why it's so very, very fun working with new disciples and new converts because God is helping them shift from some old patterns and shift into some new patterns. It happened right down here when we were praying in the altar. Bobby was down here. Brittany was down here. They're not here tonight. Brittany received the Holy Ghost standing right there in that aisle on Sunday night. Bobby has spoken in tongues. And so they both have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we want God to continue to do great things in that family of eight. But they were coming, and they were lifting their hands, and we could tell as we were praying with them that that was just a, a, a more of a Christian version. I'm going to come down here, lift my hands, and somebody's going to pray for me. But I'm not opening my mouth. I'm not speaking anything out. 
And so we're standing, and I told Andrew, because Andrew's connected with them, and he's working with them, and we're very, very excited about what he and Merle are trying to do to disciple these families that are coming. And so I was telling Andrew, you need to try to help him understand that when you're worshiping God, you're speaking stuff out of your mouth. You're praising God. You're magnifying God. You're lifting up your voice. And, and so you got to find something that will help him understand that just standing there with your hands up in the air and not saying anything, that's not going to be as productive in terms of seeking the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, well, let's, let's talk to him. And so music was playing. People were still praying. And, and Bobby's right here. And so Andrew decides to use the illustration of sports. And he was telling Bobby, Bobby, I know that you like sports. He said, you know, when somebody makes a touchdown and everybody, yeah. Like this, he said, that's what you need to be doing. You need to be lifting up your voice and magnifying God. It's just like that. And Bobby looked at him and gave him a cold stare and said, you know, I've been kind of convicted about sports lately. He said, I kind of feel like it's idolatry and I should be giving God more than I am to the world. Well, I just, I'm like, well, praise God. I God's working on him. God's working. The, some of the old behaviors are shifting and changing. And that's what is exciting. The engrafted word, the implanted word, not only saves us through a new birth experience, but it should transform us and we should take off some things, some old behaviors, old lifestyle, and shift that into something that is more productive. Anybody got a testimony here? I had some behaviors, addictions. There were some things that I did, but when God radically transformed my life, I had a major shift from some of those things. I'm not the same person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I took off some things like blind Bartimaeus garment and I threw it to the side and I said, Jesus, if you can touch me and heal me, I'll never go back to that old lifestyle and those old garments again because you have done something rich in my life. Amen. Clap your hands and thank the Lord. God has worked some of those things in your life. Praise God. And so you may be in some of those situations where you feel like God is, is casting away or putting off some of the old patterns of behavior. Listen to some of these verses. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, but now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You're putting it off. You're casting it away. You are removing it. And God is doing something new in your life. James is saying all of this filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, that superfluity, the abundance of wickedness, throw that off. That is of the world. And the world is continuing in its abundance of wickedness. But the people of God are not superfluous superfluous, walking in superfluity and the abundance of wickedness. We are walking in the abundance of light. We are walking in the abundance of God's mercy and God's strength. We are walking in the abundance of God's anointing and God is doing great things. James said, let the engrafted word produce that in your life. Not only does the word save you, but it transforms you. We still preach that a new birth experience transforms an individual's life. There are programs, there are self-helps, there are a lot of things that may have some good, but there is nothing like the empowerment of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that is able to completely turn somebody's world upside down. Can I get a witness in this place? We still preach that. We still believe that. We still promote that. 
One service can do great things. Marvin, I know your brother said, I'm only coming one time. But who knows what God can do in one service. God can get in somehow into the heart and life of an individual. Praise God. I'm believing it's not just one service, but God's going to do great things from the last service. Praise God. It only takes one service. You know... You know what we say? We say, I even said it Sunday night. One party, one club, one taking some drug, and you could be addicted for a lifetime, strung out, and who knows where you could end up. It happens all the time. But you know what we should say? The opposite of that is one service, one apostolic, powerful move of the Holy Ghost, and the anointing of God could change your life for an eternity. Not just this life, but a life to come. One opportunity in God's presence. Praise God. Could radically change things. Praise God. Do you believe that? Well, if you don't believe that, we might as well go home. (laughs) Praise God. If we don't believe that, we might as well go home. We should all agree the power of the Holy Ghost is able to break every chain remove every obstacle tear down every wall remove every addiction and give freedom and liberty every single one of us should be on board 100% that there is nothing like the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost Amen. praise God praise God the implanted word there's an example in Zechariah chapter 3 in which God is there, Satan is there, and Joshua the high priest is there. And Satan is there to bring charges against Joshua. And the scripture said Joshua is standing there in filthy garments. And God says to Satan, put a new set of garments on him because this is a brand I have plucked out of the fire. To be used for God's purposes. Praise God. God changed the garment that had been cast away and he put on him a new garment. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 33. The engrafted word. What is James talking about? The engrafted word. The implanted word. What is he talking about there? He may be talking about Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. It's not going to be this external law that only tells them that they are a sinner with no power and ability to self-regulate. But he said, there's coming a day I'll put my law in their inward parts and I'm going to write it in their hearts. Amen. The reason why we live for God is because we love God out of the abundance of our heart. Just recently here, just recently here, there have been several conversations. I want you to know if you haven't recognized it or not, God's doing amazing stuff here. And people are coming to church, and there's people coming to the school. There's children getting the Holy Ghost in the school, going home and tell their parents stuff. You need to be in church. Why aren't we going to church? You shouldn't be dressing like that. And, and so the parents are the parents, the parents at the Thanksgiving meal in conversation at the Thanksgiving meal are like like we want to be a part and our kids are coming. They want to be a part, but we're just not so sure about all these rules. We don't. What about all the rules? And you know what I told them? We're so quick with the rules. I told I told her, I said, you know what you need to do? You need to forget about the rules. Right. Just put those aside for right now. What you need is a walk with God. Because I can tell that in your upbringing, it was all about rules. And so you think that God and a relationship with God is all rule-based. The rules come after the relationship. If you're only living for God out of the rules, you're going to live for a God that's, that's, that, that's it's not good. But if you live over here because of what God has done and it's coming from your heart and God's doing great things in your life, then all of a sudden out of that love and that understanding of what God is richly doing in your life, then you understand there's some structure and 
and ramifications that God wants us to follow so that he can use us and work through us. But this is where you need to start. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need to let the word of God speak to you. You need to let the love of God speak to you. You need people to help you understand that we want you in the house of God, that that doesn't have to come right now. We don't have some big, long ticket list and punch out boxes that you have to follow. The first place to start is get a move of God in your life and watch God do amazing things. And you know what happened? It came from Thanksgiving meal over there to right there on a Sunday morning where God was moving and God was actually doing what we talked about. You know what I believe? I believe God's going to continue to do things in that family. She's got an apostolic background. Her husband's a Baptist. He's been coming to church on Sunday morning. If you haven't recognized him, they sit right back there. I can see God doing great things because he's pulling them in to a relationship from the heart. Praise God. I'm not saying do away with the rules. I'm saying it has to follow. It has to follow the right trajectory and pattern. Praise God. I, I do what I do because I love God. And you know what? At some point, if you think, well, I just don't think that rule applies to me. Okay, uh, we're, we're not, you know, I'm not going to punch you out or anything. But this, this is our church, and our church is based on a love for God, and a love for God produces some standards or guidelines in our life, and that's what we're going to pursue, and that's what we're going to love. Amen. Sometimes we're too quick to... To, to throw the rule at them. Let people develop and let, just love on them. Love on them. Praise God. And watch God do great things. And then when there's some teaching that is balanced and is, that makes sense. You know, there's some things that we do that we don't even have any Bible for. We do. But if it makes sense and it's understandable and it's done in a right way, I'm, Brother Marvin's here. I'm going to use him as an example, okay? There is nothing in the Scripture that says anything about facial hair. There's not. Jesus had a beard. They pulled his beard out. Okay, but at some point, we just decided we're going to be clean-shaven because the society in a certain era of time was it, it was a sign of rebellion to throw out a, a, a lot of stuff, and so we started following that, and that's just what we do. And, and so... So, but first time somebody comes, we, we don't, <laughs> you need to shave that off. You love them. Give them some time. At some point, there'll be a conversation. At some point, usually what happens is, Pastor, I want to get more involved. What can I do? Well, I want to see you get involved, but I just want to talk to you about this one little thing because this is part of the standard of our church, and, and I, I want you to understand it so that it makes sense. Okay, well, that's a good conversation to have. So when Brother Marvin came to church, he had a full beard. He looked pretty good in it, actually. But he was here at church, he came here. Uh, God did, did great things in his life. Tuesday, I come in. He was here Sunday. Tuesday, I come in, and he's kneeling down. He's praying there, and I noticed that he'd shaved. It's like, wow, that's crazy. So when I went to lunch with him, I didn't ask him that. I didn't talk about that. I didn't, I didn't even bring that up. He brought it up. He said, when, when, when I kind of veered off, and went my own way. The first sign of rebellion that I wanted to do was grow a beard. So I did. And so I've done. He said, when God radically transformed and touched me, that became a thing. If that's the first sign of your rebellion, it's going to be the first sign that comes off to show that I am submitted to you, God, once again. Wow, that is amazing. That is powerful. So we have a standard. It's a standard. It's just a standard that we're going to be clean shaven. All right? So, and, and it helps because, you know, I don't know where you would draw the standards are about trying to form some kind of boundaries. And I don't know where you, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you would try to draw you know, Fu Manchu. Uh, what are some other ones? Brother, Brother Casey. Brother Casey's not here. Big old handlebar must. Some of you don't know Brother Casey, but he was proud of that thing. It measured, I don't know. Right, Sister Casey? He was proud. I don't know where, 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 what's okay and what's on. So just for the sake of his standard and just looking clean shaven and not having. 
to try. This is just something we're going to do as a church. It has to make sense. Standards have to make sense. And so maybe when somebody presents the standards of the church in a way that's palatable, that makes sense, rather than just saying you're going to do this or else, it helps somebody understand. And you know what? I've never had a problem with anybody when I have a conversation like that. You know why? Because it comes out of love. Praise God. And so I'm, I'm believing that God is going to draw people in to the house of God. And, and he's doing it. He's doing He's doing it with families. The engrafted word of God. The planted word of God in us. It's not only going to save us, but it's going to transform our thinking and our world. And God will be our God and we will be his people. Amen. As musicians come, all I need is a piano. Mark chapter four and verse number 13 is really what James is trying to get at when he's talking about the engrafted word. What is it? Lay apart filthiness and abundance of wickedness superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. It not only saves your souls, but it transforms. And the greatest example that you could try to use other scripture to get at what James is saying in that verse is Mark chapter 4 and verse number 13. And this is where we will end here tonight. Know ye not this parable, says Jesus, how then will you know all parables. The sower soweth the word. He's planting something. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown when they have heard. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word immediately, they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in. Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Praise God, but then watch this last one. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some in hundreds. We stand together tonight. Jesus was saying the, the seed that is planted or the word that is engrafted or the word that is planted, not only does it save, but it also transforms and it starts producing fruit in our life. I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. Amen. Can I get anybody else that would join me and say, I, I want God to produce fruit in my life. Amen. That the word produces and transforms in me. Praise God. I want to be fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. And I want God's word, the engrafted word, to produce godly things. We are in the pursuit in the house of God here tonight trying to see God produce godliness in our lives so that we can have an impact in the world in which we live. James said, my beloved brethren, those 12 tribes of Israel scattered around the world, be slow, but be swift. Slow to speak, slow to anger, swift to hear. And the word of God that's engrafted in you, giving you a strength under control, Amen. To be a powerful impact in the kingdom of God. I want my life to make a difference. Amen. Praise God. People coming into the house of God and the things that are happening and what God is doing is because we're trying to pursue a path of fruitfulness in our life. Praise God. If you're a prayer warrior, let the fruit of the Spirit make you and develop you into a better prayer warrior. If you're a great altar worker, Use that gift and let there be fruit that comes out of that. Amen. I want to be used of God. I want to see God do great things. Amen. I want to see him produce fruit in me. Praise God. With uplifted hands all over this building, this is our prayer tonight. God, produce fruit in me. I love you and praise you. That's your engrafted word, your implanted word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let it develop 